thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up for a Chat, about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Mara. And today we've got one of my favorite topics. <laughs> Forgive me, you will hear a change in the picture of my voice. Yes, yes, you will. Because today is all about the little animals. <laughs> I'm such an animal lover and I, and, and I do get a very different voice on when um, I'm talking about the little animals. And I want to dedicate today's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Lord. Here we go. It's good. It's good. To my fuzzy little man. <laughs> His name's Jet and Not Matt? No, no. <laughs> no, that's not Matt. This is my four-legged fuzzy little man. His name's Jet and he's a quiche hound. So if you think of a Pomeranian but like ten times the size, you'll be in the right genre of animals. So he's got he's big and he's fluffy and he's got the softest little heart, but he's just had surgery and he's got a cone over his little head. <laughs> Fuzziest little man, he had a little issue in his ear. And it's interesting, actually, because that was really what inspired us to do the podcast on pet care. <laughs> it was. Because, you know, it's so amazing. All the transitioning and the, tra- uh, the changing that I've been doing personally with my diet and exercise and the way that I've been looking after myself has been very self-focused. But um, two weeks ago, Jet uh, developed a little blood clot in his ear. And Jet's the dog, remember? Yes, mm-hmm. Jet's the dog. There is a difference between Jet and Matt. Yes, yes there he is. One Both are hairy. <laughs> but one has four legs. That's the only distinction. One has three. Uh, I mean two. two. <laughs> Kim, did you say that out loud? You tart, you did so. <laughs> Matt will have a chest out to hear if he hears this. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. All right, let's get on with Jet. Yeah, okay, back to Jet. Back to Jet. So he developed a little blood clot in his ear. Now, he developed the blood clot as a result of trauma to his ear, which was caused by his constant shaking of his head. Now, the constant shaking of his head was caused by a yeast infection in his ears, which he has been getting every four or five months for the last six years. He chews his feet, he chews his ears, uh, he scratches his ears, and he chews hot spots on his back. Now, I've been putting up with this with him and doing everything in my power to try and help him, to give, them, to give him some peace. But we find ourselves at the vet every four to five months, and because of his personality, he's flat out or stop. So for Jack, no one can get near his ears while he's conscious. <laughs> it's just impossible. So they've had to actually sedate him, clean out his ears, put him on antibiotics, do his feet, and then he gets a couple of days relief, but then he's on antibiotics for 10 days, and that happens every four or five months for six years. Now, when he got the blood clot, and the vet just said to me there was nothing I could do. She said there was nothing I could do to help him because his problem was environmental. Now, we have totally gutted our house. We've totally replanted all the lawns, all the gardens. I've got nothing in my garden that dogs are allergic to. I've made specific point of that. Brand new lawns, all of that six years ago when we first got him. So there was nothing here that could potentially be causing him these allergic reactions. But you it, took it as gospel. That, well, I did. That's what I That it was something in the environment that was causing his reaction. And I was just going to have to live with it with him and make his life as comfortable as I possibly could because he was going to be subject to this way of living now for the rest of his days. Yeah. So, you know, my heart just breaks for him, listening to him, chewing at his feet incessantly and then scratching his ears and then chewing at his feet, then scratching his ears and chewing. You know, he hasn't had peace for six years and it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. to watch your animals suffer like that. Um, anyway, so apart from the cost of that every four or five months, I mean, it would be on average about two and a half grand a year we'd spend on jet. And then when he got the blood clot, I was at my end because I was just watching his little ear blow up. And Matt, in all his genius, said to me, for God's sake, ring every breeder in the country until you get an answer. He said, do not hang up the phone until you get an answer for this poor thing. And I found a breeder that's close to where we are because Jet's, you know, he's a big, hairy, fluffy dog in a very hot environment. Now, I keep him shaved so that he doesn't feel the heat. And he's inside most days with the air conditioning. 
So he's, you know, quite fortunate. He's spoilt. Well, he's very loved. Fortunate, fortunate yeah. is a polite way of saying <laughs> molly coddled, adored, wrapped in well, cotton wool. Well, let's just say if you were that cute, you could do anything you liked to. <laughs> or maybe if we laid on our back and wriggled our leg as we scratched behind a year, mm-hmm. an ear or something, that mm-hmm. might work. No, mm-hmm. I doubt it. No, no. no. Well, she does feed us when we come. Mm. Yes, yes, but you yeah. still don't have the same cuteness. You no. don't get that. No, no, no. There's something extraordinary. Now, now I, I just have to talk about this cuteness. Now... <laughs> Now, when look, look Jeff, him, look, look, look he, he is cute, I must admit, but when he's shaved, they don't shave the head, so he looks like a moon face. <laughs> he looks like a big sunflower. Yeah, sunflower, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I leave, his head, I leave his head all fluffy, and then the rest of his body gets shaved, so he looks like a sunflower. He's a funny And man. I say to Jet every time I come, I said, come home with me, she's just mean to you the way she does this. <laughs> when we take him for walks, all the other dogs laugh at him. And so the humans. <laughs> no. No, he's cute. He's cute. Okay, keep going with the beautiful man. Because it's a very interesting story. Yeah, well, when I spoke to, I finally found a breeder, and she, she made it all sound so simple. She said that he had the blood clot. She confirmed that that was a trauma. Um, but she said that he had the trauma from a yeast infection in his ears. And then she says to me, oh, my God, Karen, she said, surely when you bought him as a puppy, the breeder told you that they are allergic to wheat. And I said, no, the breeder never told me that. And in just about every dog food preparation that you can buy, no matter how natural it is, there's an element of wheat or grain, corn, etc., in the in the food. And she said to me, you need to get him off all of that and get him onto a fish-based diet. And she said, and the yeast, she said, of course, he's got the yeast infection in his feet, so when he scratches his ear, he's transferring it from his feet to his ear. So she said, you can go and get his ears fixed. But she said, the wheat, the yeast infection is still in his feet and she said because he's been having antibiotics for so long his little immune system is underactive which then allows the yeast which is a natural part of the dog's flora and bacteria that lives on their skin it allows the yeast component to overgrow causing the most incessant itch for him and and it drives him to distraction so she said she actually said to me is he incredibly skittish like is he always like hyped up and he is and i just thought that was his personality so she said to me, fish-based diet, get the yeast cleared up. She said, you'll never have another problem with him. Um, and it's the easiest thing in the world. So I got some preparation for his feet, just a, a little rinse thing for his feet. Rinsed his feet morning and night for two days. That was ten days ago. Hampered pooch. Yes, I did do it in the bath. <laughs> he would have painted his nails if she was a female dog. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> And, you know, he has not reached for his feet once in 10 days. And I rinsed his feet for two days, morning and night, and he's got peace. And I put betadine on his little hot spots on his back, and then I also put the, the yeast rinse on his back so that the hot spots on his back could start... I'm looking at a completely new dog. Mm. Granted, he's got the cone over his head and he's very, <laughs> very miserable. But aside from that, he hasn't gone for the itch and the scratch, which has been unbelievable to me. So, can I can I interrupt there? Mm. We we, Cindy, I just I've just got this vision in my head of dogs eating rice and grains and and sitting down. I've just got you know fried rice, mm-hmm. baked rice, whatever you like. Dogs in nature don't eat rice no. or grains no. or, or wheat. wheat. And so I'm wondering why are they putting these grain things? Why do we think it's okay to give dogs? Wheat. Because it's cheap, Kim. Mm, because it's cheap. It's cheap. cheaper than meat. No, but I mean, even families, do we give them leftovers dinner yes. and things like that? Like, is that yes. a good thing to be doing? No, no, unless it's veggies. And, and even hearing her saying, put it on a fish diet, do dogs eat fish? Well, this well, type of dog would eat fish. Definitely. Oh, yeah, because yeah. he's a husky. Yeah. The thing is, is that um, the diet of animals, especially our domesticated animals, is much the same as the human diet in that... Shocking. It's all, yeah, it's refined, it's shocking, it's... Um, we've added all sorts of things to it. To our chickens, we give them, you know, probably genetically modified soya bean and corn and and all yes, stuff like that. Absolutely. And to the dogs, like I find this really interesting because um, you look at the ingredients, and I I do this. I look at the in- ingredients of the dog food that's canned and the dried dog biscuits, and it's all refined foods mm. and it's all all grain based and it's all wheat based. But what's interesting is that um, my husband, his brother is a vet, 
in a very conventional vet. And my husband asked his brother, well, what is the best feed that we should give Obi? And he said, oh, Obi's my dog. So I'd like to dedicate this next section to my dog, (laughs) Obi. I also have a cat named Winter and a horse named Lucky. Oh, how beautiful. (laughs) And two friends called Kim and Kat. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I do have those too. (laughs) So anyway, um, this was years ago and we were told Ekanuba. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we were told Ekanuba. So... Ekanuba is like $110 for this small bottle. So I decided to do what I always do, and I decided to compare, well, what's in Ekanuba as opposed to the $60 one? You know, Mm. they look the same to me. And I'm reading the ingredients, and the $60 one and the $100 to $110 one, which were the same weight and everything, just different packaging, were identical. Wow. Except for one other thing that was in the Ekanuba was glucosamine in a very minute amount. And I figured for $60, I'd go and get some glucosamine, you know. But when I read the ingredients, I went, why would I feed this to my dog? I wouldn't feed this. Mm. I wouldn't. This isn't natural for them. So we went to feeding, um, and I'm sorry for the vegetarians in the room. Just go for it. Go for it. Because they're carnivores. They're carnivores. They are. They are carnivores. And they've got the teeth for it and everything. So so. we give kangaroo tails. (gasps) And kangaroo <laughs> meat. So I knew she'd go nuts. I thought you were going to say just kangaroo. No. Adding in the tail just gives it the a tail. whole different perspective. We give, we give the tail and the kangaroo. Where do you even buy that? You oh, buy that just down the road. And it's a natural pet store. We actually have wild kangaroos around just down the road. So I'm hoping yeah. she's safe no, from the butcher. No, I'm not killing them. <laughs> These are ones that... Um, you know, there is a there. There are people that go out and kill kangaroos for the the pet industry, right, as well are. as the human industry. So sorry. So we we give them that um, our leftovers. We only give them our cooked vegetables, and we'll give them our meat as well. But you, we also give pig ears. I'm, I know pig trotters. We give them anything like liver, kidney, anything. Well, when I go to the fish shop and get the leftover, I ask them for all the offcuts of yeah, the fish off for the my fish. cat. Yeah, yeah. And it's the best thing rather than the tin stuff. Yeah. So our dog, he's a Labrador. He's eleven years of age, and he's sprighty. He's young. He's got a little tiny grey beard coming up now. But for a Labrador at eleven years of old age, still being young and sprighty, because that's all we feed him. And then he eats his greens when we go out. If he needs greens, we see him go to the grass and eat his greens. Mm. So this is you know, this is what we. You know, we decided to feed them. A, a dog is a species. They all are carnivores. They all eat meat. Some eat fish. Some You can give fish to them. Like, the whole idea of it is these dried biscuits, these tin foods, are all based on grain because it's cheap. It's cheap. That's right. But there's also, I'm not trying to be funny, but when I was at the vet about a year and a half ago, my cat went missing, and she was missing for 10 weeks. And it was terrible, the little poppet. She was stuck. She got disorientated in a storm. And my beautiful daughter, she shares the same birthday, which happens to be tomorrow, um, as her. But she's exactly one year older than my daughter. So we had this beautiful cat. When we moved houses, she went... Beautiful, I wouldn't really call. She is beautiful. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of cat is it? Tell everybody what kind of cat it is. She is is a Cornish Rex. And she's got a crinkly perm for a hairdo. She is so cute. Don't very, you say that? Sorry. Very Egyptian looking and yes. she's beautiful. Egyptian? Yes. Sphinx. Yeah, kinda. I would say Sphinx Sphinx-y? looking. Yes. Sphinx Sphinx incredibly thin. <laughs> That's their breed. I don't have obese cats. Anyway. <laughs> oh, but I like a little bit of fluff for my loving. Yeah, but we liked her because she's got short That's hair. That's what it is. She's got no fluff. Yeah. And she's got no fluff. She's, got, she's like got hair. That's one... And like point oh 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 of a millimetre. Anyway, yes, she went missing. <laughs> Cat lovers, you'll understand my love of her. Um, but when she went missing, and, and funnily enough, the neighbours, the, the, she was missing a kilometre away. She ended up living ten weeks in this garden because she wouldn't let anyone near her. But they would go out and feed her, bless their hearts. And finally, she allowed them close enough to ring the, the number on her collar. Is that how long it took that? Ten weeks. Until they gone. could get close yes. to her. Yeah. Oh, my God. And yet she's such a smoocher. Yeah. Um, but what was interesting when I took her to the vet is she actually said, yes, she's a bit undernourished and a little bit skinny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but she said, the, you must be feeding her well. A cat wouldn't survive. Like A domesticated cat oh. of 15 years would not survive this well. Her teeth were amazing. She was a little bit dehydrated. But what astounded me sitting there in the vet 
was how many fat dogs and cats were sitting there. Uh-huh. And I remember looking at them all thinking, wow, even the animal kingdom, our domesticated cats and dogs have got obesity <laughs> issues. Um, and it must be relating to this food they're all eating. And they all have arthritis. Um, mm-hmm. They're getting cancer. You know, all they're getting candida or, or yeast infections. So they're all getting what I know, humans hearing, are getting. Hearing that breeder yeah. say, get them off all wheat. Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, I rang my mum. I spoke to my mum and my mum said, oh, darling. She said, isn't that funny? He's just like you. <laughs> Special needs. <laughs> no, but she says. Because I've obviously I don't you know I'm not, I don't do the wheats or the grains or yeah. anything like that anymore. And she said, "Oh, she said it's amazing." They say they say <laughs> that we take on either the personality of our animals or we look like them. Well, let's, let's just put a cone around her head. <laughs> if I look, look like, like him, cow, then won't you? <laughs> well, if I looked like him, I'd be very blessed. That would mean I was beautiful. Mm, just a little scratch behind the ear and should do anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my little but, boy. What I I, um, I have a similar story um, with my horse, although she has always been healthy and I always give her natural foods, but she is a ve- she's an Arab and she's very lively and she gets herself into trouble all the time. Um, and she, what happened this one time is that I'll never forget what you said, Kim. For you horse people, you'll get this. So we took her away from her normal habitat because we were going away for six weeks and we couldn't feed her every day. So we took her into a field where she could just run free and and be with other horses and not be fed every day. So she just fed herself. So we bring her back to this field where she's been for years and years and years with the same horses and one of the horses attack her. Absolutely attack her, get her on the ground and pouring oh. at her, biting at her. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, absolutely attack her. So I I um I said to Kim, you know, a couple of days later, I said, Oh poor Lucky, you know, she went back and and this horse who's a male, you know, just ripped shreds out of her and it's one of her best friends. And and Kim goes, Well obviously she had an affair. They <laughs> <laughs> didn't do <laughs> they were gutted with it. <laughs> Okay, so this is what happened. I called the vet. We were in a panic because she was dragging her right back leg, and she was in a she was an absolute. I was in a panic, and I I rang the vet straight away. And the vet looked at her, did not touch her, looked at her, and started to give her an antibiotic. I said, "Excuse me, what are you doing?" And she says, "We're giving antibiotics and a sedative." And I went, "Well, no, I I don't want her having antibiotics. I don't have a sedative. What's wrong with her?" Well, she's obviously been, you know, hurt and we need to give her these things because otherwise she's, you know. She could get more infections. Get more infections or whatever. And I said, no. I said, thank you very much. You can leave now. So I called my husband. I said, Howard, will you please come and check Lucky out because he's a chiropractor. So I wanted to know that she hadn't broken her leg because the vet didn't touch her for this. So I wanted to know that she hadn't broken her leg. And so I got Howard to touch her and he touched everywhere and he said, no, She's broken nothing. She may have some bruising, but she's okay. So if I give her a sedative or if I give her a painkiller, she's crazy. She will not feel the pain and she will go running and she will hurt herself more. Yeah, yeah. If I give her antibiotics, I'm going to upset her, mm-hmm. her whole system. And she's a healthy horse and I felt that she could deal with this. So I kept her in a very small paddock. I, did not, I didn't give her no painkillers. And people might think I'm cruel. But it's cooler, I think, to give her painkillers that she thinks she, she can jump a fence yes. or run. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I kept her in a very small situation and she healed in six weeks. Not a problem. No antibiotics, no drugs, no nothing. Then I have moved her from this situation uh, where she was very close to me and I could get to her easily. And I've moved her 40 minutes from me. And it's a beautiful place. And the, the girl that looks after her, Karen, is, it just loves her, absolutely loves Aww. her. And treats her like a queen, as she is. She is the queen of the horses. And they have a huge paddock. And, of course, she runs crazy. And she, she's hurt herself very badly. And she's hurt her back leg. And so when she poos... The poo is getting the back leg infected and it becomes really infected and she's in a lot of pain and we end up calling the vet and I'm not around to know what's happening because I think I was overseas at the time and and the vet comes and, and the vet does exactly what I don't want to happen and that is give antibiotics and give her a sedative. She became, uh, or not a sedative but a painkiller, she got into what I call a medical loop where every second day the vet was there because... She kept running because she thought she could because she 
no longer had the pain. Mm. Finally, I, I think like six weeks later, I said to the vet, no more. Do not give her any more. No more painkillers, no more antibiotics. Let's just see if she can figure this out herself. And she did. Hmm. You know, I just, she was in this medical loop. He was there at four in the morning because she was in so much pain. He was there at midnight. He was, you imagine what this cost me. Oh, yeah. Imagine what this cost me. Whereas the other one, I just sent the vet away and said, we'll deal with it ourselves. Whereas I wasn't around. And, and Karen, she kept ringing me and saying, I don't know what to do. I've never, you know, I've never been in this situation before. And I said, well, because I'm not with you and I'm not there and I don't know what I can do, we've just got to run with the vet. But finally, I had to say, no more. Mm. No more. And, you know, she's fine now, but she had huge abscesses. And, and coming out of her body, oh. just trying to come out of her body, but because she wouldn't stop because she had the painkiller. Yeah. So, you know, like... But some people will turn around and they'll say, oh, that's all very vigilante, Cindy, and that's fantastic. Yeah. But when you see an animal or a child or someone in pain, surely a little bit of painkiller to alleviate that. What's your thoughts on that? Look, I, I think painkillers are important at times, yes. But then I think you have to keep the horse... Or the child in a small combined space. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's right. Yeah, you have to keep them in a very small confined space, and because you know, if, if I'm there with my child all the time, but I'm not always there with my horse, and I can't expect somebody who I'm paying to look after my horse to be there solely for that horse. It's really hard. So I had to let whatever had to happen have, have to happen. But I learned a very valuable lesson. You know that. Um, that the way I think about healthcare and the way I treat, um, and I don't, it's not treating, but the way I allow my children to be sick and let them get over that sickness and get what they need, and you know that's right. But like with my son, I had to. He's had so many broken bones because he rides motorbikes, ski, um, snowboards, and um, surfs. So there's always something wrong and always something broken. And Quite hot too, just saying. <laughs> mm. <laughs> very fit. Yeah, mm. he's a very fit young man. And you know, I think how old was he, Kim? I think he was twenty, and he broke his um, a bone, uh, the scaphoid bone, um, in his wrist, and it was so painful that he couldn't sleep. And sleep is when you heal. Mm. And I had done everything I could possibly think of to keep him comfortable and out of pain, but I couldn't. And I rang Kim 7 o'clock in the morning and I said, do you have any paracetamol in your house? And she said, well, I actually do. And, and she, we went around and got some and I gave my son the paracetamol, one. one paracetamol. And within, I think, 11 hours, 11 to 13 hours, he started to feel the pain again. And by then he was able to have some sleep and he was able to cope with the pain and he, he did really well. So he's just been in Canada and he had a, um, an accident on his snowboard where at two in the morning they called the ambulance oh, because wow. he was in so much pain. And he, he rang me and he said, Mum, I've taken you know, a Panadol, but it's not doing anything. It's not helping me in any way. And I said, well, matey, you just got to either take another one or you've got to figure out what you need to do with this pain. Anyway, the ambulance arrived. They went to the hospital and the nurse said, look, we're just going to give you some painkillers. And it was three painkillers that they wanted to give him. Give him, And he just said, look, no, because he knew that he, he, once he got over the hurdle of the pain, he would be able to cope with this. Um, and so he's taken two Panadols at the age of 23. One paracetamol, one Panadol, as a result of broken bones. So, yes, there is a need for these painkillers. But sometimes I think we give them without really thinking, and especially to an animal. That well, I think sometimes what happens is it's the whole thing around society, whether it's a pet or a child, you don't want to see something suffering. There is something so easy you can give, mm. and it takes the emphasis off you. Yeah. Like, in all honesty, you went don't to, have to worry about them so much. I spoke to um, a woman a couple of days ago. And I was expressing my concern because Jet's obviously just been on another course of antibiotics. They also gave me 20 painkillers to give him oh. over the course of five days. I gave him five rather than the 20. Um, 20 over five days? Yeah. yeah. Every four hours yeah. or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. Um, and I was expressing my concern about it. And she said to me, for God's sake, Karen, she said, we've come so far with science and technology. She said, how can you stand there and let your dog suffer when the solution to his suffering is sitting in a pill bottle on your kitchen bench. Oh. And she said to me, for God's sake, she said, that's just animal cruelty. That's what that is. It's animal cruelty. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I just beside myself, mm. just beside myself. Mm. 
and because Jet isn't used to looking after himself, his little immune system has been totally bombarded with antibiotics. He's, he, he doesn't have the coping cap- capacity to fix himself or sort himself yeah, out. Yeah. So I thought, well, you know what? I am actually going to give him the, the, the painkillers. And then when we get over this hurdle of what he's going through now, from this point on, hmm. I'll start getting him onto the right regime. And I was at the vet. And the lady walked, the, the vet walked in on me saying to Jet, don't worry, my little boy, this is the last time we're coming. We are not coming back. Don't you worry, my little man. You just have to go through this. You just buck it up and I'll be here to save you and I'll look after you and I won't leave you alone for a second. But I promise you this will be the last time you come back here. We will not be back. And the vet walked in as I said that. And I said to her, oh, well, um, I was just explaining to him. Um <laughs> That he doesn't have to go through this over and over and over again. I was just explaining it to him. And um, she said, well, she said it would be nice not to have to see him every three months. I said, no, I said, you don't understand. I said, we're actually never coming back. I said, we're never coming back because from this point forward, me and Jet, we're a team and we're going to make this work for him. So I said, so I'm not going to be relying on medication to keep him well. I'm going to rely on him and his food to keep him well. And when I got home... What did she say? You know what? She actually said nothing. And she's lovely. Like, she's always been amazing. So, she, you know, she kept him in overnight and she called me. She's called me just about every day. She's been an amazing vet. Um, I I am very, very grateful for the care that they have taken with us. Um, But, you know, again, it just comes back to that's all that she knows. That's Mm. the way she knows to care Mm. for animals. Like the whole medical model is that our doctors know one way to care for humans but I think that there's also alternative ways and innate ways as we've spoken about on the podcast before where we can use more natural methods to care for our Mm. our animals and I jumped onto Google and I spent the whole night researching rinses for yeast um, on the bodies and it's it's lemon juice it's peppermint oil or vinegar in four litres of peppermint water. Peppermint oil, we got plenty of that, mm-hmm. don't we, Kim? Yeah, four litres of water and 20 drops of peppermint oil, and that goes on as a rinse oh, every second day. So cooling peppermint once oil. The body's, once, they've, once the body's been re- well and truly washed yeah. and cleaned, then the peppermint oil and the four litres of water goes over the body, or four litres of water and a half a cup of lemon juice, or four litres of water and a half a cup of um, vinegar. Mm. All does the same trick. Mm. And it kills the yeast. It's an astringent and a drying agent. So it kills the yeast over the body and little rinse for the little feet. That's great. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, you know, that to me, that sounds something far more palatable for him rather than a course of antibiotics that... But I guess it comes back to that ease, though, isn't it? And that's what I meant before about the emphasis that comes off you. It's like, I can give him a tablet, done. Done my job as far as caring is concerned, and that's what my responsibility is. Or natural caring and, and, and taking a more natural approach or more palatable um, rituals that look after our animals do take a little bit more time. They can do, you know, and, but I go, compared to what? Well, I, my thought on it is this. And I mean, I might be a little extreme, and I, I'm happy to confess that I'm a little extreme when it comes to the little animals. But I think if a person's going to have a fur family, they've got to be your family. I mean, you've got to give them the same love and attention and specialnessity because they're part of the little family. Mm-hmm. They and are. If, and, if, and if I'm just going to give him a pill to say, oh, well, good, I've done my job, I don't need to care any more than giving him a pill, well, then I don't think I deserve to have a little fur family. Mm. And, I mean, I know that that's probably a little extreme because a lot of people just, I don't know why a lot of people have dogs and I wish they, you know, I wish they would just all bring them to my house because I think they would get a lot more care. But a lot of people do just have dogs that they leave outside and they don't... Like a rope. Tied up to something, I can't bear it. You see, now those people, when I find them, mm. they will have hell to pay. I'm <laughs> like a vigilante. But you know, you know, I, I've I decided in my next so life rich. I'm coming back as one of your pets. Oh gosh, yeah. I'd love to be one of your pets. Would we be looked after? Oh, or what? We wouldn't have to do anything. No, because the other the other little creature that I have in my little house is Sophie. Yeah, we haven't talked about Sophie. Oh, she looks like a little cloud. <laughs> she's just <laughs> cotton ball. She's a little. She's a Bichon Frise. <laughs> And she's a little one. She's a small little number. Oh, she's a cute little thing. Her little her little nickname is AKA Scrumptious. 
Because she's so cute, you can eat her up. Do you notice how her voice changes? <laughs> Every time she talks about her. I can't even know, even need to know English and we'd, just, we'd know she was also, talking about also, Even the nose, the way the nose turns up, I it's know. like we know she's coming to. It's to where there's the dog. <laughs> I want to keep going with what you were saying mm. about what about the cleaning of dogs? You know, like oh my goodness, it, it, and and the the worming and the vaccinations, the vaccinations and the flea powders and the yes, whole, like it's all toxic. Totally, every single bit of it is toxic, and it bothers me. It really bothers me. Well, here's here's um, a reality, and I must have kind of known without knowing I was knowing. But my kids, my fur family kids, had their vaccinations in their first couple of years. They're Jet 7 now and Sophie's 5. They got their vaccinations in the first couple of years. You know, there's a series of them that you have to get certificates for because, you know, when you take them to the vet, they have to be vaccinated and so on. Or if they go into care, kennels yeah. and things like that, don't you, they? Well, my kids would never go there. Yeah, but if they did. But if they did. But no, they wouldn't. <laughs> um, but We're never going to get it, are we? If other people do. Well, they shouldn't. I just bring them around to Auntie Kaz's house. <laughs> He's never here. <laughs> so, so that means that Matt. means Matt. Matt has to look after all the animals. I was going to say Jeffrey, but mm, yes, it's another name for Matt. Just in case you didn't know. In case you thought she had two. Yeah. <laughs> what were we saying? Um, and now I've lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, no, the so, vaccinations. Yeah, so I only got them vaccinated just to get their, you know, the the, the first lot done, and then I stopped vaccinating them. And then um, I've given them flea treatments, I think, two or three times mm. when there have been fleas in the grass because that's where the, the fleas breed and they originate. Then they jump onto the dogs and then they, they live inside the dog. They live on the dog's fur and then they breed and then they jump onto the grass and then the cycle just perpetuates. So you've actually got to break the cycle so that there's no fleas in the environment. Um, and then also uh, in terms of ticks, you've got to just make sure where you take the dogs and then mm. keep checking them regularly mm. for ticks. Now, I can say my kids have not had any flea or tick prevention for the last... Well, Jet hasn't had flea or tick prevention for five years, and Sophie hasn't had flea or tick prevention ever, actually. Um, so they haven't had any of that on their little skins or on their little bodies or anything because I just don't have it in the house. Mm. If I did have it, I would, I would, I would um, treat the grass mm. rather than the, than, than the dogs. And then when I take them out for walks, I mean, obviously I've got to be very vigilant because we're in a tick-prone area. Yeah. I've got to be very vigilant with them, with, with the ticks. But I think that there's, there's a real hazard around that in that the pharmaceutical companies stand to gain the same profitable outcomes with their animals because we're even more ignorant about our animals than what we are about ourselves. Because our animals can't speak to us and say, oh my goodness, that tablet made me feel sick. Or that flea treatment makes me feel mm. sick. We just accept that, yes, she's had her injections and, yes, she's going to vomit for a couple of days. Not realising, well, hang on a sec, there's obviously a, a reaction to that. Do you know that 70% of antibiotics in Australia are distributed to our domestic pets and animals, our cows? and What? Yeah. 70% of right? antibiotics God, to our cows and things are, too, isn't it? are given to our animals. 30% to humans, and the humans take a lot. Can you imagine how much our animals are taking? See, it doesn't surprise me even remotely, though, because there's no um, there's no limit with the animals. No. You know, this time round I got 10 antibiotics. The last time I got 20. And the, the last couple mm -hmm. of times she's given me 20 antibiotics to take. And then the 20 painkillers. So there's really no limit to them. I, I did a, a bit of research when I was doing uh, some focus on animal cruelty, and what I saw was that our food, the, yep. the, the dog food preparations, EMS, and I'm going to name and shame, IAMS. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, yep. EMS. Yep. Um, they, if you go onto Google, they had, uh, there was an animal cruelty organization that put a camera inside a bag and went into the EMS factory. And they actually showed concrete floor with all these dogs, just oh. hundreds of these dogs in various stages of consciousness, oh, waking up from having um, pieces of their skin taken off their knees and their shoulders um, in order for them to test the adverse effects of the EM's food on the animal's skin. Mm. But they don't... Like, they, they literally cut out a square, so it's impossible for that skin to be stitched back up again because it's a square. 
but then the animal just walks around with that, with the potential of being mm. infected. Mm. And the tragic, the, you know, the saddest thing about that vision was that the animals, the dogs were all in various stages of waking up, and because there were people around them, they were waking up, thinking that the people were there to play with them. So in their half-conscious states, their little ta- tails were wagging, excited, because there were people there to play with them, not even paying attention to the fact that they were in excruciating pain after just having a piece of flesh removed. And they, in various stages of consciousness, wake up, the little tail wags, they see a person, and then their head just goes smack onto the concrete because they're not conscious enough yet to hold their heads up. It's It's unbearable to watch, isn't it? If we only knew what these pla- these companies and things are doing all in the name of so-called health for our animals, and it's not fair. The, the thing is, no, don't support them. And, and like, you know, um, don't buy the dried biscuits. Don't buy um, the tin foods. Don't buy them. Buy, you know, the, the meats that are around us. You yeah, know, get the natural. The natural meats. Get them because that's their diet. That's what they're good at. If you've got a dog and you have a problem with killing kangaroos, then don't do this. But if you're okay, and it's not just kangaroos, you know, that we can, they'll eat anything, mm. um, any meat. They have to have it. You can't, I don't think you can put them on a vegan diet, I'm pretty sure, or a, <laughs> or a vegetarian diet. Well, do you know what's quite funny? I've composed myself now. What's quite funny, <laughs> I had a little dog called Dolly. She was a little Maltese terrier, and I was vegan for 23 years. I ate meat for a couple of years, and now I've gone back to vegan again. But Dolly... Poor little thing was living with a vegan owner, so there was never any meat in the house. And then Matt came along, and Matt is a meat, 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 and more meat eater. And we put some of my not dogs, which is a, a sausage, but it's got no meat in it. It's like textured vegetable protein, barbecued with beautiful sauces into a bowl, cut it up for Dolly, and then we put some sausage of Matt's, just normal pork sausage, <laughs> yeah. into the same bowl. She picked out all of the not dogs and put them on the floor and then just devoured oh. all of the meat of Matt's. Having Matt move into the house, oh my god, must have just been Christmas for her. Just <laughs> <laughs> that all of a sudden I'm getting real proper meat. Yeah. It was just the poor little bugger. Yeah. But the interesting thing about that, I think if we think if we look at our animals, we they don't cook their meat. Mm-mm. They don't have fireplaces and dogs don't know how to cook. Mm. And they also don't know how to dry out and create a pellet from <laughs> a <point>. mixture of <laughs> different meats. I want to know how when they advertise these foods for them that cats love this and flavour enhance. Yeah, like or, the whiskers and, yes, and, and all those different yes. foods where they show the cat, you know, licking his... Well, there's a new television program, I think it's on the ABC... And it's called Checkout. And it's the Chaser Boys that are doing it. Yeah, well, they did cat food. Did they? Yeah, and they did um, one of the more expensive cat foods. And one was called Salmon Flavoured. And one was for the Furballs. Furballs. And one was for something else. And and so they checked out the ingredients on all of these. And and they were all exactly the same. Oh, my God. They were just packaged different. They're just packaged different. It's the same in everything. Yeah. It's the same in everything. I I just think people have got to be aware of it. And when I watched the the Chaser Boys, I realised, you know, I'd done the same thing with Ekanuba and all the other foods. Yeah, yeah. But then I chose not to eat any of them for the dog. I thought, well, the dog's just not going to have it. So what do you give to Obi? What's his diet? Because you said you cooked vegetables for him, so is that oh, the right well, thing to do? Off, if there's cooked vegetables at home left over from our meals, we will give him the broccoli or something like that. Yeah, but basically his diet is bones. He gets um, brisket bone in the morning, so he gets to play a lot with bones. We give him as much bones as we can to because it's an amusement for them, and they can sit it with a, one of those big bones that like those big this, knuckle bones. Yeah, the big knuckle bones. From he'll where? sit there. Where do you get from the butchers for okay. a couple of dollars? So he'll sit there and munch on them uh, for half an hour, an hour. It keeps him amused. He's quite happy, especially if we're trying to sneak out and where he's not looking at you, going, "Can I come? Can I come? Can I come?" You know what they're like. <laughs> so we'll give him a big bone to keep him happy. Um, so in the morning he gets a brisket bone. In the evening he gets, and we'll go for a run if he needs grass. He'll eat grass. Uh, you know, we watch him do that because that's their way of. Um, it's for their health. So um, we then at night give him some kangaroo mints as well as um, the kangaroo bones. And if there's leftover vegetables, he'll have that. And that's it. That's all he eats. So, I mean, there's a whole 
raft of um, information out there from these natural food vets that say they need alfalfa and they need all the different. Uh, oh, I think he picks that up and... himself. He picks that all up himself. Like when you see Obi, he's got you know he's not fat. No, he's, he's, such he's energetic. Yeah. Um, his fur's great. I like. I figured if they want alfalfa. They'll find it in the in the, the weeds that we because we let him run every day. We go to a mm. place where he doesn't have to be on a lead, mm. and he can he swims in the ocean. The first thing he does is he goes straight to the ocean and swims in it, mm. and then he comes on out. And then you know if he needs the grass, he eats the grass. But if he doesn't, he won't eat it. Mm. Um, yes, and occasionally he'll see a McDonald's hamburger that he gets into his mouth that somebody's dropped and not oh. eaten and I can't get it out of his mouth. There's just no way. <laughs> so he does have McDonald's occasionally if he finds it, you know, in the park benches or mm. something like that. But other than that, he eats a very, very clean diet. Mm. Um, no well, no took, dry biscuits. I took our cats off because um, we were told originally when we got these pedigree cats that they needed... I don't know if it was whiskers or irons or whatever, mm. but it was these special foods that I had to buy at vets or at health food stores, mm. not at supermarkets. So I'd get all this stuff and I gave them the biscuits and all that. And I always asked for the organic ones. So I always thought I was doing the right thing by getting the more organic ones. Yeah. I don't know what that means exactly really <laughs> when I think about it. Maybe the same thing with different packaging. Um, and and now what I do for my cats is they have the same thing where we have, like, we'll eat chicken or I'll do mince for Jacob or whatever. Whenever I go to the butcher... Jacob's the kid, by the way. Yeah, when I go to the butcher for him <laughs> and I go to the... Um, and I stand there with my nose over my... I mean, fingers over my nose as I'm in there. But I say, have you got anything, you know, for my cats? And they'll give me the, the, the mince or the whatever. And so I'll always get extra for the cats. And so they've got their food in the freezer alongside my kids' food. And then, obviously, cats don't eat bones like that. But, if again, at the fish shop, like I said at the beginning. So I have all their food. Mm. On the days that I'm rushed or busy or I haven't got time to get them fresh food is when I give them tin tuna, just plain tuna mm. in, in brine or ch- plain tuna in water, spring water. Because to me, and, and it's probably not the best, but I look at that and the ingredients in that compared to the ingredients in these packaged cat foods and I go, well, that's my emergency days when I haven't had time mm. to get out to the fresh butcher or fishery or whatever for the cats so same thing yeah. I feel very comfortable giving yeah. my cats as clean and as close to nature as possible they eat grass they often will then for whatever reason will throw up in the hallway and I see their, their lovely strands of grass that they've eaten mm. at times as well and apparently that's a way of getting a fur ball up as well and they'll eat a long uh, piece dog, of my grass. dogs do that as well like yeah. if, they, if they're not feeling well they'll go and munch on the grass yeah. and then it'll be I'll find it in the hallway too yeah. mm. nice. yeah. and, and as yeah. far as <laughs> is it possible to get back to the shampoos on dogs I mean I don't have dogs yes. now but I'm just going back to like you can buy in vets and, and health foods not health food pet stores um, shampoos designed for dogs and things like that mm. and yet it says on it not for human use and things like that and I just I just wonder what are some of the ingredients in these things um, would we be concerned as far as I'm concerned you're saying your dog gets in the ocean yeah, he gets is that in the not ocean. a great way and then rinsing off in water like why yep. do we have to use shampoos on dogs well, look I try not to use shampoo on Ivy very often because I th- Unless like, it's, it, what's really funny Karen is you know how you clean yourself. Have we discussed her cleaning yes. process? Oh, on yeah. yes, we have. Uh, have we? Yes. Yeah. The, the whole your whole cleaning process. We've talked about how we could eat our food off your bottom. Oh yes, exactly. Oh, we have to. So we yes. have done it. So you like if you do that to a dog, you're taking away once again those natural, natural oils. oils. And so I'm. We're very careful about how often we we clean Obi because once he's been in the salt, then we rinse him. He's quite clean. Um, and he's only allowed on the tiles in the house. He's not allowed anywhere near the carpets. And he respects just staying around the kitchen area looking at me feed <laughs> everybody else. I love how he drools. <laughs> and they always have that look. Yeah, so uh, I think we need to be really careful about how much we wash our, our dogs and cats. Be really, really careful. Like, we've got one here that Karen has picked up. It's a medicated shampoo and it's got caution, keep out of reach of children, read safety directions before opening or using for animal treatment only. So you can't even imagine what is in here. All right, let's look at if we can find the ingredients. uh, I'm just going to look. Can I can I um take it out a little bit? Yeah, you can. I I just um, don't have the scissors to open that up. Oh, that's all right. We'll rip it. Here we go. All right, here we go. Properties. It's a medicated conditioner. It's antiseptic leave-on conditioning. What's uh, in it? It doesn't tell you. It doesn't actually say. Doesn't on the tell sh- you. It doesn't say. I'm just looking it up now. 
So animal um, products don't have to have the ingredients, the ingredients listed. ingredients on it. No. You know what? I've actually, I've Googled ingredients of this particular medicated shampoo. Look, can we say, can we say the name of it? Yeah, yeah. It's Pyohex. Pyohex. And, and Pyohex, a big caution on it. Pyohex is um, used similarly to another shampoo called Maliseb, which is a medicated shampoo and used to treat bacterial skin infections. Um, the active ingredient is chlorhexidine, which mm. combats a broad range of negative bacteria. Chlorhexidine? I've heard of that before. Gluconate. I'm just looking up chlor... chlor. Um, and while Karen's looking up there, um, so I can see the importance of, of bathing dogs and animals yeah. if they've been out in, you know, maybe filthy areas, particularly if they're and inside they do like dogs. To roll in they, yeah, poo. they do, and all these things. Especially they horse do. poo, they, my dog loves eating it, let alone. Um, I've always <laughs> used, when my mum's got a dog, and, and when we had dogs growing up, um, I've always loved those. Like, again, just using my essential oils, where, you know, tea tree, lavender and eucalyptus are quite high antiseptic oils. Um, and we, we used to bath our dog in the bath. She was a little poodle. Um, but, yeah, we used to do things like that too, using natural things. Or even, if anything, I would use the house shampoo. Yeah. Because I kind of thought that my natural shampoo was better for her than the, the cat the shampoo. I mean, than the, like, the medicated shampoo. Right. But I, I don't know. And maybe we should be talking to a vet that was my other question do we have we've got holistic medical integrative doctors or holistic medical you know integrative medical doctors do we have vets that have a much more holistic approach to caring and yes. looking after our yes. animals yes they're there and how do you find them well here on the coast we've got a chiropractic vet oh wow yeah we've got a vet that does chiropractic and there's a lot of um vets for horses I, I know more about the horse field than anything and they there's Bowen technique and there's they do they use homeopathics and natural foods and there's a lot of vets out there that are, that are doing that but then there's also the vets it's, it's like it's in the, like in the human world there's a lot more of the the conventional taught ones than the natural ones and you've just got to hunt them out I like I look online often like I was having a, a problem with um, lucky my horse she had quite a bulge um, in her leg and I the the vet said well we'll just um, I think he was going to put a steroid into it, inject a steroid. And I said, look, I'll just try something else before I do that. So I ended up talking to a lady in Brisbane who sent me some clay. Oh, and yeah. I just put clay on it. And look, it ended up, it was no big deal. Um, it's called an idiopathic blah, 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 blah. I don't even know what it was called. But we just put the clay on it and it doesn't stop her. She's not, you know, she's not lame. She she works fine with it, but she's still got that slight raising on her leg. So. Right. But she's she's not lame. That was the, the main thing. Mm. So to stick a steroid in there, it's to me like, oh, we don't have to go there yet, surely. You know, mm. surely we can try other things. And so we have. And she's, that was years ago and she's never had a problem with it. So what about... Or did you find out what that is? Yeah, it just it doesn't actually say what it is or how it's made, but it's certainly synthetic and it's an antiseptic agent. Um, and it falls into a similar category of antiseptic agents like bleach. Um, but bleach is obviously not safe for the skin, where they're saying chlorhexidine is safe for the skin and other, other bodily surfaces. They're also saying that people who've had their wisdom teeth taken out um, get advised to use chlorhexidine as a mouthwash. Um, it's used in hospitals to prevent staphylococcus. Um, so it's quite strong because if it can, if it can well, prevent the spread of staphylococcus, which we don't have an antibiotic for, yeah. this has to be pretty strong. Yeah, and it certainly looks that way. So this has been used for the last 60 years. Um, uh, and it says that organisms, because, of, because it works at a, at a microbiology level... It says organisms are unlikely to build up a resistance to, to chlorhexidine like they would to an antibiotic. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it certainly does look like it's got some, some grunt behind it, but they're using it for everything. The only thing that they're saying is don't put it in your ears when you have a burst eardrum. Is there anything that I can see as a and as it's a really hard with a dog, you know, because they move and they don't know how to sit still and they... Mm. So, girls, we've talked about horses, dogs, and cats. There will be other people listening to this that have guinea pigs and chickens and birds and, birds and, and, and God, God forbid, snakes. I turned up to do a talk one day and the husband walked out with a thing around his neck and I thought it was a scarf. I need to discover that people here in Australia actually have snakes as pets. I do not get that at all. But 
how do we look after, like, I guess my main question here is we're talking about pet care today and, and how we can look after them. I, my, this might sound a little bit old-fashioned, but I guess no matter what pet you've got, it comes down to paying attention, love, affection, and the food that's been meant, that's meant for them and their breed. Is there it, anything? I think you've hit the nail on the head. There are species. Mm. They eat a particular food. And you need to find out what that food is and stay away from manufactured foods made by man that are just filled with additives, preserves and flavourings. Mm. And I think be prepared to do some research. Oh, yeah. I think that's the thing that I found most fascinating now in that I trusted the vet for so long and only now I'm doing the research. And, of course, I have incredible guilt around that because I think I really mm. should have known better. Um, but just in doing the research and Googling it and looking on YouTube... I found so many amazing holistic vets on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Now, Jet's just had surgery for that blood clot, but I YouTubed it and they said, don't do it. It's too traumatic for them. Don't do the blood clot. Let the body do it. take its natural course. The ear will crinkle up like a cauliflower, but who cares what it looks like. You Let the do. body. T- no, well, I don't care what he looks like. If he's going to go through pain, I'd oh, rather him okay. have a cauliflower ear than okay. what he's going through now. Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I... Th- you know, the, the the holistic vets that are actually promoting care for animals that's less traumatic for them because they're actually putting the animal first rather than the pharmaceutical company or mm. their medical model that, you know, says that treatment needs to be a certain way. I think there are definitely people out there and it's being prepared to research it. Google and YouTube have been amazing, mm. absolutely mm. amazing. And um, depending on where you live, there are always going to be holistic vets. You've just got to find them, like you said, Cindy. Yeah. But research it. Yeah. You know, like chlorhexidine now, just Google what is chlorhexidine or what is the effect of chlorhexidine on an animal or what, is the eff- what are the ingredients of Malaseb, what are the ingredients of certain antibiotics. Um, you know, just Google it and so that then you're informed and you know what's going into your animal's body. I, I think... You know, the lifespan of our animals is all too short, especially on the day that they die, mm. you know, and we wish that we have more time with them. Mm. So I think, you know, if we can help them to live a, a, a more quality of life where they're not subjected to conditions or pains or surgeries or antibiotics because they can't talk to us. Mm. So I think... Well, actually talking about that... And you both might laugh at this. Or actually, you both might hold me and be nice to me on this one. But when Cleo went missing once before as well, she's nosy, so she kind of gets lost. She went missing for two weeks once before, and the other cat went on a hunger strike. Yeah. So they are quite human-like. And anyway, someone said to me, Kim, just ring... Because I had a feeling she wasn't dead. Like, I kept, you know, you think, oh, gosh, have they been hit? Are they injured? Like, it's the most horrible feeling when one of your animals goes missing. Anyway, this person put me onto a um, a cat whisperer, and, um, Aww, and that's it was a bit cute. so cute. Anyway, no, this is not a joke. She ring, I ring up, and I go, and she goes, "Hello," and I went, "Hello, it's," and she, I went, "It's Kim Morrison here," and she goes, "She's okay. She's safe." Um, but what you do need to do, she's a little bit dehydrated. She just went straight into it. And she goes, but what you do need to do is she will be home soon. She's just stuck in something at the moment. She's not in pain. But just put out some strong-smelling fish, like maybe some sardines in a dish, and put her bed outside so she can smell her way home more effectively. All right, love? And I hung up. Well, my family thought I'd gone weird. <laughs> not oh, for a start. My, my, everyone was giving me grief about it, and I was just holding on to whatever I could. Put the sardines outside. Put her little bed outside. Sammy... The oriental cat was just like a moping, whinging, whining, mm. poor lost soul. Just did not cope at all without her. And um, I'm not kidding, two days later, our cat... Well, actually, what happened was Sammy was meowing. And I looked out, and there was Cleo. She'd come home. And I think what had happened, it was over school holidays. I think she'd got into someone's garage. They'd gone away for the school holidays. So she'd survived for 12 days in this garage. She was very dehydrated. This cat's had more than nine lives. I agree. Wow. I agree. It looks like it's had more than nine lives, too. She looks like life's been hard. Oh, she does actually. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to post yeah, a picture photo. of Cleo. Oh, we, I think we put a picture of Obi, Jet, and Soph, and and, and Cleo, Cleo and Misha, definitely. my cats. But she, that, sorry, on, but but I was gonna say to you, I have to share this other story. Oh, good. My cat 
that's actually saved my life and my children's life. Now, this is going to be really out there. I just had Jacob. I was a newborn mother the second time around with a 16-and-a-half-month-old baby as well. So I'm exhausted. We're hardly sleeping. My first outing, um, Jacob was about three weeks old, and we went to a christening. I don't remember much of it. I was just It was just a blur because I was so shattered. Came home, and both my children fell asleep in the car. And I just didn't, you know, as a mother, I just didn't want to wake them. And I just, it was just like peace and serenity for however long it was. And I pulled into the garage. Windows were all down. It was a summer day. Windows were down. And I pulled into the garage and I just thought, I, just, I won't turn the car off because um, the car is what's keeping the, 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 the momentum. Shut the garage door and closed my eyes for a couple of seconds. You know, mm. what I thought was just going to be a, a, mm. a second or two. But actually, because of my exhaustion, fell into a deep sleep. I just can't imagine what my husband would have thought to come home to an exhausted mother who's gassed her two children and And herself in the garage. Like No one to this day would have known what had happened or why I had done that. Except, you shut the garage door. Yeah, I, yeah. I just because I was only going to, I was pulled into the garage. The car was running. I was exhausted. I thought I'll just close my eyes for two minutes, but actually fell asleep. My cats jumped through the window onto my lap because they'd seen I was home, and that's what woke me. Amazing, eh? Do you know how long you were asleep for, you dreadful mother? I've got no <laughs> idea, but the, the garage smelled very carbon monoxide-ish. Yeah, gassy. I, I don't know how close we came, but I just want to say in tribute to our animals out there, all of us have animals and probably stories where pets are such a part of our unbelievable home and, and family life that, you know, I just want to acknowledge them and how extraordinary they are and what they've done um, for me and my family and the joy they bring to my children. And, and I tell you this, when Taylor was tucked up in bed and just backtracking now to the story where we found Cleo and she was, you know, for 10 weeks of being missing, and I was tucking Taylor into bed and I said to her, oh, sweetheart, you know, aren't you happy? And Cleo was tucked up purring yeah. away like you wouldn't believe. And Taylor looked up at me and she goes, Mummy, my birthday wish came true. Oh. And I just thought, and we've all got tears in our eyes. It's just like, my gosh, are they a part of your life they or are. what? They are. They're so a part of your life. I, w- I would like to tell a story about my brother and, and sister-in-law who um, didn't have children for a long time while they were married and had a stray cat. stray cat had one eye. It was a girl. My brother has a sense of humour, called it Roberts the Pirate. Oh. So it was called Roberts. So I always assumed it was a boy, but it wasn't. It was a girl. So Roberts lived very happily with this young couple and he became entrenched in their lives and he moved with them and he would, he would, my brother would be asleep and he would sit and just watch my brother until he woke. And if he didn't wake on time, he would stroke oh. my brother's face. Oh. Not with the claws out, but the claws Baby. in. Yeah, it was oh. just gorgeous. And when my brother would be sitting in front of the television, to, just watching TV, he'd jump up, or she, see, it's a Roberts, it's a she though, would jump up and, and press her hands around his neck. It was, it was the most amazing thing. Anyway, Roberts disappeared. And Susanna, my sister-in-law, was really upset. And he was gone, or she was gone two days, I think. And on the third night, she had a dream. And Roberts came to her in the dream and said, I'm, un- I'm here, this is where I am, please come and get me. Oh, baby. And they had looked everywhere for this cat, all throughout the, the, the neighbourhood, everywhere. And this cat had come to her and said, you've got to come and get me. And so Susanna knew where he was, and or she was, and um, my brother figured that they hadn't been able to get into this place because the door was locked um, to the whole yard. So finally they found a way to get in, and um, the cat had told, or Roberts had told Susanna exactly where he, she was. No way! Yeah, and she had died. Oh. She died. She was under the tree, and they went straight to her. Straight away, straight after the dream, in the middle, in the day, they got up, went straight to this area, went to where Roberts told her. Then around three weeks later, Roberts came again in a dream. And now whether anyone can believe this or not, I don't know, but this is, this is what happened. So Roberts came alone in a dream and said, um, you don't need me anymore. You'll have something special, you know, coming um, and you're, you'll be fine together. 
and they got pregnant. Oh, wow. Is that amazing? Yeah. I got, I get goosebumps too. Oh, that makes me want to cry. And I keep saying to her, you've got to write, because she's a writer, and I said, you've got to write a book about the cat. Oh, could we call it Robert's? Oh, I know. Robert's the pirate cat. cat. Did, they, did they have a boy or a girl? They had a boy. Did they call it Robert? No, they called it Nelson. <laughs> they called it. They called him. 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 See, it's really scary, you know, because my brother calls Roberts the cat, who's a, a girl. <laughs> you know, like it's like, oh, I get so confused. But no, Nelson, I can get. Okay, yeah. you just, we have to finish up here. Okay. But I just want to read this to you. Women and cats will do as they please, and men and dogs should relax and just get used to the idea. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> That's so cute. A dog is the only thing on earth that loves you more than you can love yourself. Oh, it's so true. (gasps) Until one has loved an animal, a part of one's soul remains unawakened. Mm. Too right. Yeah. That means my soul alive and kicking. Are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait until I've got this beautiful big acreage. I've got my little chickens, my little lambs, my little goats, my little cows. Are we having pigs? Piglets? I could have little piglets. Yeah, pigs. I could have little ducks. Yeah. I would just, you know, I, I said to Matt um, a couple of weeks ago, for my next birthday, I want a friendship farm. Oh. Yeah, they come round to your house and they set up a little friendship farm in your front yard and just sit in the middle and all the animals <laughs> run all over you. Are we being invited? I doubt it. <laughs> She just wants it to herself. She's yeah, such a I doubt it. <laughs> but how much joy do they bring in oh, el- to the so elderly? How much joy do they bring to children? How much do they bring to people who are on their own? I mean, animals. The blind. The blind. Mm. Um, people. Oh, you know, the people can't move. They have dogs now that mm. get them dogs. things. They're just. I've got to tell you this story oh. super quickly. I was in Melbourne and I came out of a seminar, walked downstairs, and I was in the main street of Melbourne. It absolutely floored me and brought me to tears because when it comes to animals, obviously, you all know I'm incredibly emotional. So (laughs) I look across the road and here's this golden retriever. No, it was just a Labrador, a a, a caramel-coloured Labrador. And there were four people, single file, behind him. And they were all holding each other's elbows and then the front person was holding the dog. Oh. And I'm not joking. That dog was cool as cucumber, leading four totally blind people through the main streets of Melbourne. Wow. He had no idea the level of responsibility mm. that that little kitty had. Mm. Was he, he had the lives of four human beings in his hands mm. and he was leading them all through the main traffic and the absolute mayhem of Melbourne. I mean, isn't that... Oh, oh they, my goodness. They are that, amazing. That's just amazing to they, me. How many stories... I mean, maybe you could post on our Facebook oh, page... Please, ...a yes. story, an animal story, or send us an email because we, we all three love our animals and we love to hear beautiful and stories. send us your photos if you've got amazing... <gasps> Let's do an Instagram page. Okay. Okay. I don't okay. know how, but you can talk. Okay, you can, I'll, you can I'll set that talk up. to you on that one in the next podcast. We'll set up an Up for a Chat podcast, uh, Instagram page, and then people can send us photos of whatever we're talking about too. Oh, that'd right. be fun. Yes. yes. Do that, do that. We'll send all your pictures of all your animals in little funny little poses and <laughs> animals and kids. We love it, we love it, we love it. Well, you know, this has just really been a, a, a great casual chat about the things or the, 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 the animals in our lives that we absolutely love and then taking into consideration what we know for ourselves and applying that to our animals. And the experience that I've just had with Jet was a perfect catalyst for that kind of conversation to come up. So I hope that this is, well, we all hope that this has been valuable for you in terms of getting you thinking beyond the Whiskers packet mix and beyond the Yukonuba and beyond the Purina and the, the oh. Supercoat and the Pyohex and Maliseb and all the different kinds of shampoos and the... You know, the flea treatments and the even the heartworm, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know about that. But just do some research. Investigate what we're doing to our animals because, you know, like I say, the, on the day that they die, we wish that they could live forever. And I think that there's a way that we can certainly prolong the enjoyment and the love that we get from our animals. And I'm certainly going to be quite 
ferocious about this now for myself and, and for Jet and Sophie. So do that for yourselves and go onto the website, comment on the website at thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat or by all means or and by all means go to our Facebook page which is up for a chat and give us all of your thoughts and your comments and your pictures. We just love to hear from you. So join us here next week on Up For A Chat and be part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We'll see you then. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Damien Christoph from The Wellness Guys here. Are you craving some downtime? Want to do it in luxury? Want to do it with The Wellness Guys and Up For The Chat Girls? Well, if you answered yes, yes and yes, then we'd love to have you as our guest at the Western Resort and Spa in Fiji for our first ever BFO Wellness Retreat in September. Experience two nights and three days of immersion on your body, mind and soul. LT and Karen Smith will help you overcome any limiting beliefs and help you install or maintain your champion mindset. You'll work with Brett and Kim on creating movement patterns and self-care rituals to keep you at your best and with Cindy O'Meara and myself we'll teach you how to eat and live and not to live to eat in a step-by-step program for more information or to book your spot go to www.thewellnesscouch.com and click on shop